Old Vines Written by Sevdrak and read by Literarian Chapter 32 The Sugars Developing in the Grape Part 1 Aziraphale wakes up slowly, softly. He's warm, he's comfortable, and the air smells like growing things and freshness and safety. He doesn't even have to open his eyes before he recognizes the scent of Crowley's shampoo, and he's smiling as he does, pressing a kiss to whatever warm skin he's buried in. It turns out to be Crowley's shoulder. Crowley spread out on his back, under the covers, and Aziraphale's thrown an arm and a leg over him in sleep, as if he's afraid Crowley's going to run off. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Something settled inside of Aziraphale. He doesn't have words for it yet. It's too new, too young. It's still a thin green sapling, a tiny shoot. He needs to cup his hands around it, protect it, until he can hear what words it's whispering. It needs to steep, like a cup of tea, before he can drink of it and read the shapes it leaves behind. But for now, it's just a breath of joy, of fresh air, and Aziraphale presses more, happier kisses into Crowley's shoulder until the other man groans, twitches, and then flops those spindly limbs over until he's facing Aziraphale. Why are you awake? Crowley's voice is all sleep-soaked gravel, but the way his mismatched eyes flutter open is full of nothing but content. Angel, don't tell me you're a morning person. I'm dumping you. Aziraphale laughs. It's a small sound between them, but it's free, unfettered. <laughs> I'm nothing of a morning person, my darling. I just woke up feeling... He isn't sure what word to use, even now. There are three words he could use. Three words he wants to use. Three words that almost dropped from his lips last night repeatedly, where he could press them into Crowley's skin. But Aziraphale decides to hold those back. Not because he's afraid to say them, but because he wants to give them like a gift. Saved for the perfect moment. But Crowley's face is softening, and he reaches out to trace his knuckles over Aziraphale's cheek. Yeah, he says, I know. Aziraphale shivers at the touch in the very best way, and Crowley lifts himself up on an elbow, and then they're kissing. Soft, gentle, sweet. Practicalities and morning breath be damned. Aziraphale wants to wake up like this every day. 
and that should be terrifying, and probably will be later, but he's learned, he's learning, and he can have this for now. Crowley licks into his mouth, and Aziraphale pulls that slender body on top of his, lets all of those sharp angles sink into and around him. And oh, he didn't mean to, but the sudden skin on skin is so much that they're both trembling with it now. Gentle but urgent that need to be together, to feel each other. What time do you need to be at work? He murmurs, and Crowley laughs into his collarbone, where he's been licking tender stripes into Aziraphale's skin. I own the place, Crowley says, and his grin is reckless and beautiful. You? I've quit, Aziraphale tells him, and while it isn't actually entirely true at all, he watches as the mischief blooms across Crowley's face like a blush, and the way his eyes gleam, one in gold and one in brown, both of them full of something Aziraphale wants to drown in. Well then, says Crowley. In the end, Aziraphale had meant to maybe cuddle some more and then perhaps talk Crowley into making breakfast, or even slipping into ecstasies hand in hand and letting the staff stare. He hadn't necessarily expected Crowley's mouth on him, around him, or Crowley's fingers pressing in and up. He hadn't expected laughing breathlessly as Crowley had bottomed out inside him with a long, slow hiss of an exhale, unable to move for a few thick moments as Aziraphale kissed the lines of his neck. He hadn't expected the desperation, the way Crowley gasped, the way every movement built up like a tide. He hadn't expected the relentless rocking, the way Crowley never left him completely, the way that soft motion became overwhelming until he wept his own release into Crowley's neck, Hidden in the downfall curls of Crowley's hair, Crowley's sob of a climax following after. Of course, Warlock's got his notes all over the dining room table and gives him an epically shit-eating grin when he returns. Don't say anything, Aziraphale tells him, chin up and trying to hide his smile. They'd had a leisurely shower afterward, and while Aziraphale's clothes were horribly wrinkled, they weren't necessarily soiled from anything, but he still feels as if it's written on his bones now. And why not? Crowley's hiss now, for as long as it works, what is there to hide? Warlock hums at him, and Aziraphale turns to note the grin hasn't moved an inch. 
I can't decide whether I'm surprised you were out so late. Warlock drawls at him. Or that you're home so early. To that, Aziraphale simply raises an eyebrow and says, pronunciation as proper as he can make it, It isn't that early, dear boy. It takes a few seconds, and then Warlock's laughing, yelling, Gross ass! as he crumples a piece of paper and chucks it into Aziraphale's direction. Aziraphale simply smiles triumphantly and then slips into the bedroom in order to change. A brisk sink-splash makeover and some eggs on toast later, Aziraphale sat down with his tablet across the table from Warlock. His assistant's smile is cheeky enough that Aziraphale's still blushing a bit, but he can't bring himself to be actually and actively embarrassed. Warlock's on what looks like his third cup of coffee, while Aziraphale's just starting his first mug of tea. Are you ready to get to work? Warlock asks him. Aziraphale does himself the honour of thinking about it. He's going to have to face Gabriel and probably Michael and say things he's never even thought of saying before. He's going to have to think quick and to ask for time when he needs to and to stand by his decisions. It isn't going to be easy. It isn't a thing he has any experience in. He certainly isn't looking forward to it. But he and Warlock have been through some things, and Warlock can't continue until he understands how FTA is going to take this. And in the end, Warlock can't fight all of his battles. I think so, he says, and it's as honest as he can get. Warlock gets his laptop set up and then pauses, frowning, before gesturing Aziraphale to take the seat next to him. I don't want them to be able to see your face right away, he tells Aziraphale, but I think it's important that you see how they manage this when you're not around. He breathes in through his nostrils, holds it a second, and then sighs. Oh, Gabriel's not the nicest person as. I don't think he means to be cruel, but intention isn't magic and all, right? This might hurt. Aziraphale nods. It's not like he's not aware of how badly the things Gabriel says can cut. He knows a lot of it is his fault, too. Had he been able to once step back and say, no, don't speak to me like that, what might have been different? But that doesn't matter right now. It's time to focus on this. I'm well aware and capable of detaching my more personal response to him for the moment. 
It gives us a bargaining advantage. Warlock continues. If Gabriel thinks he's speaking just to me. I'm not going to lie to him if he asks, but just trust me, as. Aziraphale doesn't have to say it. At this point, it's been made obvious. The amount of trust he's handed over to Warlock, his entire future in the boy's hands, that says it all. Instead, he takes his seat and Warlock angles the laptop so that Aziraphale will just be able to see his screen. Aziraphale's belly is bubbling with something like anticipation. Excitement and nerves all in one, trepidation alongside the knowledge that this is it, that he's so close to being finally, finally free. His hands are clenched in his lap, and Aziraphale relaxes them carefully, spreading his fingers, rubbing his palms once down the fabric of his trousers. Warlock makes the call, and Aziraphale nearly panics hearing the tinny electronic sound as it rings out. He takes a deep breath and thinks about the book on his tablet, the story he's realized he's bursting to tell. He remembers Crowley's voice murmuring into his skin, telling him he's worth this. Well, Aziraphale straightens his back. If he's worth Crowley's regard, beautiful, chaotic, clever Crowley, he's certainly worth more than a few insults from Gabriel. Warlock! Gabriel greets him like an old friend, and since Aziraphale knows he can't be seen, he allows himself to roll his eyes into his teacup. Good morning, good to see you. Hello, says Warlock. His voice is friendly, but an empty kind. Professional, businesslike, a sort of detached pleasantry Aziraphale himself has never quite been able to reach. Good to see you. I was hoping we could touch base about the upcoming contract negotiation, make sure we're on the same page. Yes, yes, of course. Gabriel grins into the camera, then ducks off screen to rummage through something on his desk. I'm sure I have... Huh, that isn't... Oh, it doesn't look like this call was on my schedule. Did we have an appointment that didn't get into my calendar? It's so condescending. Aziraphale can feel it now, the way Gabriel's tone is just gently pushing for it to be Warlock's fault. Warlock, on the other hand, says cheerfully, No, this wasn't scheduled. Just hoped you'd be free. It's tossed out there as if Warlock hadn't spent a half hour going through Gabriel's calendar to find an appropriate time to call. Well, you got lucky. It's another one of Gabriel's grins. So, upcoming contract negotiations? He frowns. 
I don't think we have one of those on the calendar, do we? No, we don't. Warlock's voice is so casual, Aziraphale thinks he's probably the only one who can see how smug Warlock feels about it. Gabriel frowns. I don't understand, he says, pushing what sounds like face positivity into his voice. If there's nothing on the schedule, then what negotiation? Warlock picks up and restacks the pile of papers in front of him. Aziraphale and I will be renegotiating our contract with FTA, he says. Just says it like it's nothing. If Aziraphale could bottle up half that confidence, well... I want to go over the relevant details with you before I reach out to legal. Gabriel looks stunned for a moment before that plastic smile reappears on his face. I didn't think one could renegotiate a contract while in the middle of it, Mr. Dowling, he says, and Aziraphale flinches. It's obvious that Gabriel means to fight. Normally you don't, Mr. Archer, Warlock replies coolly. But I've been reviewing the clauses in part three, and I've determined that Aziraphale isn't exactly getting what he needs with regards to FTA support and flexibility. Gabriel's eyes narrow. Aziraphale can see the reaction, even with the screen so sharply angled. Aziraphale doesn't need flexibility, Warlock. He needs to be told what to write and how to write it. Even you have to know that. <laughs> it's followed by a laugh that twists into Aziraphale's gut, although Warlock's face just goes more bland. We've done him a favor guiding his block like that, and you know it. God, Warlock doesn't flinch at all. Aziraphale sips his tea and watches. This is like good life, Telly, really. You might think so, says Warlock. But I've looked at the statistics, done a study on articles with more or less interference and editing on your side, and the AZFL brand does better when FTA lets his true written voice shine through. Gabriel looks like he swallowed something hot for a moment. The AZ fell brand. What on earth does that mean? Aziraphale catches the way Warlock's lips twitch for a small, sharp moment before he resets his face. Mr. Archer, you can't possibly think that I'm not tracking the worth of my client's online brand as a measure of how beneficial this contract situation is to both of us. It's said with the most subtle arc of an eyebrow Aziraphale has ever seen. He's pretty sure even Crowley wouldn't be able to match that. Gabriel stumbles a bit over his tongue. Mr. Darlan, he says smoothly. I'm not quite sure what you're insinuating. Surely Aziraphale's brand is now our brand as well. 
FDA tracks the interactions and CTR and conversions as well as you do, I'm sure. The last seems to be said between teeth. Warlock's now smiling openly. If you can reference our contract document, he starts, and the lazy way he opens the folder tells Aziraphale everything he needs to know. You'll see in part three that we have explicitly differentiated the worth of the AZ Fell brand against the internal growth of FTA as compared to its normally expected growth. Now, in this case, we're both doing explicitly well. But you have to admit, that just gives my point more ammunition, doesn't it? Aziraphale smiles at that. It's obvious Warlock's winning this one. He stands up, gesturing at his teacup, and heads to the kitchen to put the kettle on. him if he had a rubber duck. <laughs> Aziraphale finishes and then cackles, relieved by the way Crowley hoots in response, the big broad honking noise like a goose sent to space. They're literally lying on their backs on the carpet in Aziraphale's giant rental house because they can. How is he supposed to stay here when FTA terminates their contract? He doesn't want to think about it, and yet he wants to take advantage of it until there's no time left. This is a compromise. Also, they're drunk. I hope you recorded his stupid face reacting to that. Crowley rolls to his side to reach for his wine glass. I need to make that the background on my mobile. I sort of tuned out after that, Aziraphale admits. Gabriel was making an awful kind of racket, and I decided I just didn't need to listen to most of it. He'd found a delightful interior design game on his tablet, and had amused himself for twenty minutes decorating rooms while Gabriel had ranted about something or another. So, Crowley rolls to his other side now, and Aziraphale tips himself so that they're face to face. Where does it stand now? Well, Gabriel's insisting that Warlock's wrong, of course, but Warlock's got the high ground there, really. Hmm. I shouldn't be surprised that Gabriel never really read the contract. I mean, I read it, but I didn't understand things. Obviously. I'm not an expert in that kind of language. That's why I had Warlock. It's fine, Angel. Crowley leans in, smiling, knocking his nose against Aziraphale's cheek. Gabriel has an entire legal team. He has no excuse. He really doesn't, Aziraphale says primly, 
and takes a moment to revel in how he can just say that now, without his entire stomach feeling like eggs scrambling in a hot pan. He feels guilty, sure, but in that way he occasionally feels guilty when he's being just a bit of a bastard to someone. There's none of that internal fear or shame that Gabriel will somehow find out and punish him. Bit by bit, baby steps, he's learning how this feels. So, while Gabriel fumbles around in his own mess, Crowley continues, What's next on your side? Warlock has officially filed a contract renegotiation with the FTA legal team. He's made it clear that Gabriel isn't invited to the negotiations as well. So... Aziraphale sighs. <sighs> At least I won't have to deal with that. He's written up a draft proposal and I guess he and Michael and someone from legal will talk through it initially. I don't have to be there. It said with a good amount of relief. This may not be the time. Crowley's voice is soft, full of understanding. But what's your plan? Like, here? Aziraphale smiles at it. Not just the gesture, but the courtesy with which Crowley's asking. How sweet. Originally, we had the house until the end of September, he says. Maybe the first week in October. I don't remember. Now? Hmm. Aziraphale sighs. He doesn't want to be thinking about it, but he has to. Now it depends on the negotiations. We could be here another month. We could have to leave next week. It tugs at his chest, here, staring at Crowley. How can he leave this now? Crowley just nods. We'll be starting the harvest next week, he says gently. I'd... I think you'd enjoy it, helping out. It's loads of work, but loads of fun, too. Something cool for you to write about. I would love that, Aziraphale says, desperate and desperately in love. Honestly, we'll probably still be in negotiations when you start. I'd like to see it. Desperately desperate. The kiss he gives Crowley doesn't quite convey all of that, but it's close. The words inside of him have changed. I continue to learn things in hindsight. Always backwards-looking me. I spend my time filtering fingers through my memories, making comparisons to touch points previously established. 
This flavor is here and here. My mouth recognizes them because it has the long trail of experience built into it. History is not a bad thing. Experience colors our opinions, yes. That's what it's for. Had I the insight at the beginning of the summer that I have now, I may not have ended up here. And yet, isn't that the point? Lessons learned? Maybe I would have come to this place in a better form with more to offer. Maybe the hurt could have been avoided. So much hurt. And yet growth is uncomfortable. Take it from myself, who should have this lesson tattooed up my spine. If one only wants to stay comfortable, there will be no change. No growth. Vines that aren't cut back won't expand. I do not know what this place has unlocked in me yet. I am still learning, tumbling through it like a river, whatever bruises be on my body already. Was it this, the land here, its mix of soil and fog, of mountains and plain, of sea and clay? Was it the vines of this place, robust and unapologetic, exploding across my palate like an artist's palate, bright and broad? Was it him, Crowley, my unbearably sharp and lovely Crowley, expunging this from my soul like a lancing of a wound, filling this gaping hole I've been so unaware of, healing all of the broken parts of myself? Or was it simply time? Have I been growing this, this vine of discontent inside me for so long? Has it been hibernating, dormant, sleeping inside of me, waiting for the right conditions to germinate and sprout? Has it been me all along, this disparate and desperate piece of me, finally sending out shoots and tendrils, crawling its way into the sun. We may never know. Those of us who walk through this world with their emotions tucked safely away into bookshelves. We do not make it easy to open that story and look inside. There are no quick reference definitions for those of us who have always been so afraid to feel. And yet... And yet, does it matter? This summer has been a constellation of experiences, each as sparkling bright as the next. Does it matter which star was named first when they all come together to form the same shape?